This is Supernatural Breakthrough with Mike Signorelli every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, a new episode drops. So the unseen realm, ancient wisdom, and your freedom awaits in this episode. Let's jump right in. So in this teaching today, I'm going to give you five ways that over the last 20 years, I have discovered that it is possible for Christians to have a demon or be demonized or demon possessed, whatever vernacular that you use. I've been doing deliverance, in other words, casting demons out of Christians for over 20 years. You can watch hundreds of videos of me doing it online and teaching about it. And so understand that this is not my first rodeo. Sometimes there are people who are new to the faith who watch another teaching by another leader and their ignorance, and I'm calling it ignorance, not stupidity. Their ignorance has them saying things and preaching things that are simply not true and reveal that they may be biblically illiterate, meaning that they haven't studied to show themselves approved. So I want you to understand that just because something sounds right, I'm laying a framework and then we're going to jump into all five. Just because something sounds right doesn't mean it is right. I'm going to debunk some popular sayings that I hear all the time by people who are kind of floating around the deliverance world and the deliverance conversations. Now, I do not want to be known as a deliverance guy. I want to be known as a disciple who carried on the ministry of Jesus in the earth. I don't think I'm doing anything new. I don't think I'm doing anything weird. I think that I'm actually carrying out the work of Jesus and simply doing what he called all believers to do. And here's the thing, guys. Deliverance is not weird. Deliverance is um, it's the children's bread, the Bible says. It's something that should be more normal, but unfortunately, so few people have been willing to touch the topic and more importantly, actually touch the lives of people who are in desperate need of deliverance. So I'm gonna give you five ways today that I know that Christians can and do have demons. And I'm, it is gonna be offensive to some of you who were raised in denominations where maybe you went 10, 20, 30, 40 years or more and never saw a demon cast out of somebody. That's really sad. You know, there's 52 Sundays in a year. And it's very sad to think about the, the fact that many of you have never, ever seen your pastor or a lay minister or even an, another disciple or just a believer cast a demon out. That's sad to me. And just because you never seen it doesn't mean it doesn't have to continue to be done. And so guys, let your guard down. And, and, and actually like receive, okay? Let your guard down. Just because you've never seen it doesn't mean it's not possible. Okay, I wanna go through all five and I wanna do this in such a way that keeps all of you till the very end of this teaching. Number one, logically, Jesus wouldn't have said to cast demons out in Mark chapter 16, verse 16 and 18. He would have just said, hey, once you accept me as your savior, all demons immediately go. So why then in Mark chapter 16, verse 16 through 18, does, listen, Jesus say, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So when you become a believer, these signs will accompany you in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands. They'll drink any deadly poison and it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And he like, like, so here, okay. I need you to understand that logically, 
if Christians cannot have demons, why then would Jesus not have said, and I'm just going to make it plain. Why not? Why logically would you, hey, the, the easiest and fastest way to cast demons out of people is have them accept me as Christ, as, as Savior in their life, and then immediately the demons will go. That's illogical. Matter of fact, he said these signs will accompany those who believe they will cast demons out. And so he didn't say, hey, logically, just cast demons out by telling people to accept Christ as Messiah, Christ as Savior. So I just wanted to start by saying that because I find it very hard to believe that I find it really hard to believe that there is like that, oh, Christians can't have demons. And, and uh, you know, you get what I'm saying? That Christ wouldn't have said, hey, here's the way that you do this. Okay. And matter of fact, and I want to go a little bit deeper because I'm just starting with the basics. So stay on, stay on. Number two. It's illogical to state to say the statement that light and dar- darkness cannot have fellowship as a way of explaining that Christians can't have demons. It's illogical to say this that darkness and light cannot abide in the same place. Go, okay, so let me just break this down. As a Christian, you still sin. Right? I mean, nobody watching this teaching right now is going to tell me that once they said the sinner's prayer and they were regenerated, right? Their spirit came alive, that they stopped sinning forever. You're never going to convince me of that. That just suddenly it was like, yeah, I, I just became perfect instantly. So it is possible for salvation and sin to coexist. And you have so many Christians saying, oh, Christians can't have a demon because darkness and light cannot abide in the same place. They don't even know the science behind darkness and light to say that. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 13 through 15 says this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. And then verse 15 says this, what accord has Christ with Baal or what portion does a believer have with an unbeliever? That's the ESV translation. So when people say, well, Christians can't have demons because light and darkness cannot coexist, what they feel fail to uh, recognize even about the science of that statement is that darkness is simply the absence of light. And so darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. And so is it possible that you could be saved in your spirit but have darkness in other areas of your being. Could it be possible that there's darkness in your mind, even though the Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit? Believe me, I'm going to go deeper on this, but is it possible just in the same way that your spirit was regenerated by the finished work of the cross and your spirit, you are totally alive through Christ and you're going to heaven, but you're dealing with darkness in your physical body. You're dealing with darkness in your emotions, in your mind. Could it be? I, I just, cause, cause here's the thing in this room right now that I'm in both darkness and uh, light are cohabitating this space. There's dark, there's darkness on the other side of this production, but there's light shining on my face because light is a thing that's measurable, but darkness is the absence of light. 
And so when Christian, when people say Christians can't have a demon because light and darkness uh, cannot cohabitate, they do all the time. <laughs> okay. And let me go a little bit deeper with this though. Because the absence of light is called darkness. So you said the sinner's prayer and you're going to act like every single aspect of your being was completely and totally healed and delivered and saved and free from demons instantaneously because you said a 36 second prayer. Get out of here with that. Matter of fact, you could be in bondage and the enemy wants you to believe that so you can stay cloaked in bondage, in darkness. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Luke chapter 13, verse 11. You can write this down in your notes because this teaching, I believe, is setting many, many people free. In Luke chapter 13, verse 11, it says, And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten up. (laughs) So this woman, the demon, was a demon of what? This disabling demon, it was a spirit of infirmity. So the demon was not in her mind, didn't say that she had mental issues. The demon was specifically operating in her body. So the thing that I need you to understand is that Luke chapter 13 verse 11 shows us that the way in which Jesus did deliverance was appropriate for the location of the demon. Y'all, I just, I, I just want to help you right now. The way in which Jesus did deliverance. So sometimes Jesus physically healed people's body because what they needed was freedom in their body. But the so and and but that freedom was connected to a, a miracle of of uh, healing. But then other times he looked at their body and said, "Wait a second, I don't see the need." for physical healing in your body, I see the need for deliverance in your body. So sometimes you need a physical healing and sometimes you need a spirit to come out of your body. And I need believers to understand this because they'll say, well, as soon as I said the sinner's prayer at a church service, I became a Christian and all demons left me and I never had to deal with it again. No, what if you said the sinner's prayer In Romans chapter 10, verse nine, you confess with your mouth, you believed in your heart and you were saved, but your body still needed deliverance because you have a spirit of infirmity and there's even a sickness connected to it. Guys, I'm only on number two. Is this helping you? Can you just hit the thumbs up? Make sure you subscribe to my channel and ring the bell notification so you never miss another teaching. I'm just on number two. Let me go deeper, okay? Number three is this. What if you were never a Christian to begin with? (laughs) I'm just going deeper. I need to see you in in the comments. Let me know what you're thinking now. What if, so people say Christians can't have a demon. What if I told you that standing in a church and singing worship songs and listening to preaching and even paying your tithes and offering does not make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage and drinking gasoline makes you a car. What if I told you that you were never a Christian to begin with? You were a sinner who did Christian things. 
I'm trying to help you because I see all these people saying, Christians can't have demons. Light and darkness cannot cohabitate. I'm going to go even deeper about this. Light and darkness cannot cohabitate. They can't be in the same place. Okay, what do you do? What do you do with this? What do you do with the sins? I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just trying to help you right now. But what do you do with this? I'm going to read this to you. Matthew chapter seven, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me, not a few people, not a couple of people, but many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Many will say, uh, didn't we perform miracles? Didn't we even drive out demons? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. What? What? Okay, wait a second. So you're telling me that it's possible to drive out demons in Jesus name? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they even questioned Jesus and Jesus said, no, you don't cast demons out by the power of a demon. You can't, a house divided cannot stand. So what does that mean? It means that demons will pretend to be casted out by other people who have demons. So to keep the facade or the illusion up, I know this is helping somebody. They will co- collaborate and cooperate and say, hey, I know the person acting like they're casting demons out has demons. And so let's act like we're being cast out so we can remain hidden. And many people are going to be deceived by this, y'all. Many people. So here's the thing. People are going to prophesy. They're going to speak in tongues. They're going to do all these things, but it's not going to be authentic. So what if I told you that the person who's like, Christians can't have demons, but what if the person that says they're a Christian was never a demon? This leads me to number four, and I'm going deep because I can't stand all these people saying, well, light and darkness cannot cohabitate. They can't be in the same place. Okay, let, let me lead you to number four. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to search you? Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit? Let's go ahead and check. Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 through 24 says, search me, God, and know my heart. Don't assume, investigate. Don't assume, investigate. The fourth miracle that Jesus ever did is recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28, and Luke chapter 4, verse 33 through 37. Jesus had been preaching in Nazareth for a while. And by Luke's account, he traveled to Capernaum to do what? To teach in the synagogue. Wait, what? Yeah, to, tr- to teach in the synagogue. In other words, to teach in the place where you had religiously observant, devout Jews, God-fearing Jews, tithing Jews, Jews who went to the temple. Come on now, I'm trying to help you. And the people Capernaum were, were new to they, they were new to Jesus, but hearing him preach really impressed them. However, in the middle of his preaching, he was interrupted by a man who was possessed by a demon. But this was not a Gentile. This was a religiously devout Jew. This is a tithe-paying Jew. 
So when, so here's the thing, Psalm 139 Verse 23, it's, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit, search me because I'm religiously devout. I go to church. I, I don't, don't assume, investigate. I, I need to help somebody today. I need to get the word out there today. Come on now. Don't, don't assume, investigate. This is the thing. Luke chapter four, verse 31 through 37 says, when he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon and an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us? Plural. Come on now. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. If Jesus cast his spirit out of a religiously devout Jew, maybe he wants to cast a demon out of you. We're getting ready to jump back into this teaching, but I wanted to pause and give you an opportunity to connect with me. Go to MikeSignorelli.com, tell me your story, submit your prayer request, and as always, consider becoming a financial partner. It's because of the financial gifts of many people just like you that you're actually hearing this message now. So help me reach many more people and tell me your story at MikeSignorelli.com. Okay, let's jump back in. Fifth way that you can, Christians can have a demon. Christians open the door to the demonic all the time. So you say the sinner's prayer. You confess with your uh, mouth and you believe with your heart and you are a Christian. But then over the course of living the Christian life, you do things that open the doors to the demonic. Come on now, let's not be ignorant. So people say, well, Christians can't have demons, but can Christians open the door to the demonic? So before we ever start this whole, can Christians have demons? Well, let me just ask you another question. Can a Christian do a seance? Can a Christian burst, burn sage and do new age practices? Can a Christian murder somebody with a gun? Can a Christian cheat on their wife? Come on now. So you get all hung up on like darkness and light cannot cohabitate, but you got sin in your life that may very well be opening the door to the demonic. So stop saying Christians can't have demons. Let's ask a better question. Can Christians do seances and necromancy and can Christians, come on, can they, can Christians open the door to the demonic? Yes. If you go, uh, if you go in your basement and put a pentagram in salt and sit there and conjure up spirits and talk to the dead, you, you're, nobody's going to stop you because you have a will. So Christians can literally confess Christ as their savior. Christians can go to the local church every week. Christians can pay their tithes and offering. Christians can read their Bible, but Christians also can cheat on their wife and husband. They can also be addicted to pornography. Christians can also do seances and listen, this is a very simple, logical question I'm asking you. Come on, Ananias and Sapphira, there are consequences for lying to the Holy Spirit. What do you do with those verses? 
Because people like to act like as soon as they say this little prayer, as soon as they call themselves a Christian, it's like immediately, oh, Pastor Mike, dark, darkness and light cannot cohabitate. As soon as I said this little 35 second prayer, everything was all better. All the demons left, all the curses were broken and I became perfect and never sinned again. Get out of here with that. I'm trying to help you. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Y'all, I hope this is helping somebody. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 states that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But when people say that, well, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, when Jesus comes through the Holy Spirit and abides in our temple, that all of a sudden no sin, or I'm sorry, no demons can habitate our temple. Wrong. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29 says that he sinned, Eli, and that he honored his sons above God. So we do find sin in the Old Testament temple. So if we find Eli was able to sin in the temple, his sons were sexually perverse and they actually ate choice meats of the temple in excess. And so in Old Testament, you could sin in the temple. Now, if you went into the Holy of Holies, here's a revelation. And you attempted to bring sin into the Holy of Holies, there was a cord that was tied around the waist of the high priest because if they brought sin into the Holy of Holies, they would have to be pulled out so nobody's denying the fact that, yeah, if you're a Christian in the Holy of Holies, maybe God dealt, uh, dwells with inside of the Holy of Holies. Your spirit's re been regener regenerated. But here's the thing. We have all kinds of sin in the Old Testament happening in the, the temple courts. Okay, so, uh, and here's the thing. I'm not mixing sin and being demons possessed because I want to help you understand. I want to go one last, one step deeper. So here's the thing. And this is the question that I want all of you to have. And you're all going to have to answer this for yourself. How many times do you sin before the sin opens up the door to the demonic? How many times? What is the difference between David and Saul? Saul was vexed by demons. He, they were, be, he was being visited by demons as a result of what? Perpetual repeated sin. And the curse was being visited by demons. So guess what? David sinned, but you don't see an account of David being visited by demons. And I don't know the answer to the question about how many times you sin before you open up the door to the demonic. But I will tell you this, David was quick to repent. David was quick to say, God, search my heart, know me. He was quick to turn around 180 degrees and walk in the other direction. But the difference between David and Saul is that Saul repeatedly stayed in pride. He repeatedly stayed in sin. And as a result of that, he was vexed by demons. And so guess what? When people say, do Christians have a demon? I don't know if what you're dealing with is the flesh I don't know if what you're dealing with is a demon, but I do know that you have to be diligent and you have to be faithful to say, God, open up my eyes because I, and I'm going to end it like this. This is how I'm going to end this teaching. 
I have traveled all over the world, casting demons out of pastors, preachers, evangelists, teachers, apostles, people who teach Sunday school, worship leaders. Uh, and, and they have told me, I'm, I don't have demons. I'm fine. And yet the truth of the matter was they were demonized. They need deliverance. I cast demons out of their physical body as I have seen demons of infirmity and sickness cast out and immediately people healed as a result of it. I have cast demons out of people's mind, tormenting spirits. And it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to come out of the fantasy that everything's the flesh after you say the sinner's prayer. That's a fantasy. Oh, it's just all flesh. It's all, no, no, there, it, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Come on, seven times Aaron had to actually go through a process of consecration, stand at the door of the tent of meeting and go through a deeper consecration. Come on. And I, here's the thing, Jesus, you own, there's only, Jesus only cast demons out of people, not off of them. And it's going to be very difficult for you to justify oppression and not demonization because Jesus cast demons out. And then when he taught and trained people how to cast demons out, it was the same thing out, out. So here's the thing I want you to do. I want to review all five. And if this teaching helped you, I want you to subscribe to this channel, ring the bell notification after you subscribe and make sure that you never miss another video. I want you to drop a comment. Let me know how this helped you if your eyes were open. But number one, logically, if Christians cannot have a demon, there's no need to cast demons out. This was number one, because you would just lead them to Christ. And as soon as they get saved, all the demons leave. So Jesus didn't say this in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He actually says that when you become a believer, you will cast demons out of other people. Number two, it's illogical to say darkness and light cannot abide in the same place because darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of light. So we still, as Christians, have sin and salvation coexisting. I mean, there's the war inside of us. It's like we did not become perfect when we got saved. We have to crucify the flesh. And so you may be opening up doors to the demonic by habitual and perpetual sin. So it's a lot. It's illogical to say darkness and light cannot coexist in the same place. Okay. Number three, uh, what if you were never a Christian to begin with? And what if you just said the sinner's prayer? And what if you just, you assume that you were a Christian, but you were never a Christian to begin with? Number four, have you ever even asked the Holy Spirit to search you, to know your heart? And are you acting more like Saul than you are like David? Saul was vexed by demons because he never asked that question, but David was quick to repent. And therefore we see that even though he sinned, he was actually a man after God's own heart. And then number five, Christians open doors to the demonic all the time. Ungodly soul ties through sex, pornography, come on, sex out of the covenant of marriage, new age practices, and they perpetually and continually open up doors all the time. And so just because you become a Christian does not mean that Jesus through the Holy Spirit is going to hold your hand back and stop you from opening any and all doors to the demonic. You must be wise. I'm so grateful that you joined me for this teaching, that this has been the five ways, five ways 
that you can actually become demonized as a Christian. If this helped you, if this opened up your eyes, maybe you're like me, a Christian, a self-proclaimed Christian who needed deliverance. And it ended up being one of the greatest experiences of my life. But I had to get over the lie and the deception. The scales had to be removed from my eyes. And the only way that that was possible was for me to hear the truth because it was the truth that set me free. Well, we are coming to the end of yet another incredible time together. Every Monday, every Wednesday and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am posting a new podcast so that you can be equipped and learn and grow. And you know, if you got this far, you may want additional mentorship and you may wanna connect with me on a deeper level, which is why I have the Breakthrough Community. If you visit MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com, you can become a monthly financial partner for $27 a month or $297 for the entire year, you can come into the Breakthrough Community. We do monthly Zooms. Yes, monthly Zooms. It's wild. People from all over the world are there, including prophetic seminars and teachings that literally are banned on other platforms. All of it's waiting for you, including a private Facebook group with all of the other Breakthrough Community members. So again, go to MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com and become a monthly partner. I can't wait to see you there and I will see you in the next podcast episode.